Welcome back to the Love Your Story podcast. As you may or may not know, I am an avid hiker. I am the author of two editions of The Best Hikes Near Salt Lake City, published by Falcon Guides, and I'm the author of Wild Weekends in Utah and The Best Snowshoe Trails of the Wasatch. Because of my love for being on the trails and in nature, I have harbored this secret desire to hike the country's longest trails, the real crown jewels. But they are so long that it takes months to through hike them. And it takes a special time in your life where you don't have a job or you can get away from your job for five months at a time. You gotta have some extra money. And in the end, of course, I know that those are all excuses (laughs) because you always do what you wanna do. A few years back, I hopped on the Appalachian Trail and I hiked the northern section and climbed the tallest peak in Maine, which is Mount Katahdin, and also the northern terminus of the trail. And I swam naked in the stream and I remember being eaten alive by the worst mosquitoes I've ever experienced that night at camp. But I sure love that photo on top of Mount Katahdin. Well, today we get a fabulous pleasure to hear stories from Barney. His trail name is Scout. Barney Scoutman about the Pacific Crest Trail and his book Journeys North that catalogs the through hike of that all the way from Mexico to Canada and a handful of hikers that do this journey. So stay tuned for stories of the trail and what it's like to hike thousands of miles. Stories are our lives in language. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm Lori Lee and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with in making your stories work for you. Story power serves you best when you know how to use it. Barney Scoutman is one of the rare individuals who have hiked America's Triple Crown, the Appalachian Trail, the Continental Divide Trail, and the Pacific Crest Trails. For those of you who are unfamiliar with these trails, they are the longest trails in the country. The Pacific Crest Trail is 2,650 miles long, and it covers 26 national forests, seven national parks, five state parks, and three national monuments. And it takes five months if you can average 20 miles a day. The Appalachian Trail is 2,180 miles, and the Continental Divide Trail beats them all at 3,100 miles. On top of that, he and his wife, Sandy, have also hosted thousands of Pacific Crest Trail hopefuls in their San Diego home as they get ready to hit the trail, which, you know, these people are so valued. These people that are out there on the trail helping these hikers, it's like manna from heaven. So... If you're familiar with the Pacific Crest Trail from the popular book um, and movie Wild from Lost to Found on the Pacific Crest Trail, that was a story by Cheryl Strayed. Um, This is the same trail that we're talking about here. And I can't tell you how many questions I have about these trails that um, Scout has hiked, but I think it's going to be the most interesting of stories to hear what he has to say. A little bit about him. He is also the author of the book Journeys North, which just came out um, the 1st of August. Is that right? 1st of August? Okay. And it is said that it is the next best thing to being on the Pacific Crest Trail yourself, because in this book, he follows a section of hikers that he and his wife got close to when they were hiking the trail. And it just gives you all the details, the, the stories of all of them hiking together. 
So let me read this one review that I really liked. It says, few things are more innately human, rooted deeply in our shared history than storytelling and traversing land masses on foot. In Journeys North, master storyteller Barney Scoutman invites us to gather around his campfire as he weaves the narrative of ordinary people hiking thousands of miles across desert and mountains, the unfolding of their stories against the backdrop of nature at her most sublime and her most fierce reveals their primal humanness in powerful relief. Their interactions with nature and with each other prove that we are more connected and wildly capable than we believe. Scout, welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. Pleasure to be here, Lori. Pleasure. Let's start with your stories. First of all, let's go to the basics. How did you come to be a hiker? Well, if you'd looked at me as a child, you would said, this person's not destined to be a hiker. I was always the shortest boy in any class, which was hard. I was born to two parents uh, who are now both in their 90s, and they have camped out five nights in their lifetime. But when I was 11 years old, they started taking me to Boy Scout meetings. And at age 13, I ended up on a 50-mile backpack in the Sierra Nevada. It was harder than anything I'd ever done. It rained most every day, which it usually doesn't. But out there, I fell in love with it. Out there, instead of wearing a coonskin camp as we did in the 50s and 60s, I was there with the real deal. A bear could literally show up around the next bend. I didn't just uh, watch beavers slap water on TV. I was there. And that didn't scare you? No. That just just excited you? And probably one of the biggest things was, so long as I kept up, I was the same as the big boys. Mm. That was a powerful thing. Right, an equalizer. (laughs) So how did you get into the long distance hiking then? Because that's a whole different game. Like I gave that long introduction, um, these hikes that you've done are incredible. I mean, as experienced as I am, I still look at them in a state of awe and trepidation. (laughs) So many of you listening have crossed one of these three trails. On a freeway, on a road, maybe you've seen that, that, that uh, funny looking sign, we call it a pregnant triangle. It's a triangle of rounded signs, and it shows as the AT for Appalachian Trail, or the CDT, the Continental Divide Trail. Or if it just simply says you're crossing the Continental Divide, you're crossing the Continental Divide Trail. And the same for the Pacific Crest Trail. If you've driven from uh, San Francisco to Tahoe, from Los Angeles, Las Vegas, you have crossed these things. When you do, just take a moment to feel, I could get out of my car right now and I could walk in the 21st century, a continuous line all the way to the next country's border. And if I turned around the other direction, I could do the same. And they're largely in wilderness. And that's, that's a powerful thing to, just even to, to consider. And I guess, you know, standing in one somewhere, um, 60s or 70s, that power took hold of me. And I was lucky enough to be married to a uh, uh, to to be married to a woman, who, um, as she says, she wouldn't have married me if uh, <laughs> if I wasn't a backpacker. And we started thinking about doing a long trail. Um, it's one step at a time, isn't it? Just one thing happens, you just start thinking about it, and pretty soon you're on it. Yeah. Well, that's actually not true. It is one step <laughs> at a time. But when you talked a moment ago about getting the time, mm-hmm. everyone I know has a story for what it took. Because you have to really, really want to do this. 
Well, yeah, to even make it happen, obviously, well, to make it happen so you can get there, but then to stay on the trail that long and through rainstorms and, you know, hail and cold and over the the snowy passes. And yeah, you really got to, you really got to want it if you're going to stay on it. So you're a successful lawyer. How do you find time to do that and get out and hike these thousands of miles of trails? So I was a successful lawyer Uh, in 2007 the time the book Journeys North is written. Basically, I uh, I was at the small law firm in San Diego, and I pushed a lot of chips across the table. A couple of younger partners, this I want to do, and it's important to me. And we reached an accommodation, um, and I called them once a month when I was away, basically because I, I trusted them. And my wife, who was a high school science teacher, basically told them this. She says, here's your choice. Your choice is whether I come back or not, because I'm doing this. Yeah. You know, those are just really good examples of if you want to do something, you make it happen. I, st- I strongly believe that we always do what we really want to do. If we want to do it bad enough, we'll make it happen. Yeah, very true. So tell me about Riding Journeys North then. This has been a book that's been in the works for 10 years, you said? Yeah. Okay, hey, so, why'd you want to write it? Um, if you were I on the trail right now and say we were walking uh, around each other for a day, we would talk to each other differently. Some some reason being out under an open sky doing the most natural thing we do, which is to walk. And on the trail, taking a long trail, I would have conversations every day that I might have once a year with a best friend. And mm-hmm. so I became privy to some of the most dear, searing, intimate, moving uh, stories. And I wanted to be able to share them. Give me an example. Retell one of those stories. So I'm in the Kennedy Meadows shower. And I only wish for everyone here, they have a chance once to experience what it's like. Because the shower is open to the sky, first of all. The sides are not nice tile. They are plywood boards. uh, Pretty ratty. There's two of them. And so all that's separating you from your shower buddy is a thin plywood wall. And it's open from the ankles down. You can hear the wind blowing, the birds chirping. You have about three, four days easily of, of Mojave desert dirt and dust on you. You've paid two bucks for the privilege of a towel loan. And you step into this. And with the person next to you, it's as if you were on a psychiatrist's couch. So Allegheny steps in. Allegheny is 65. I was 55 at the time. And anytime I started getting a swelled head because I'm 55, I'm out here doing this. I would think about Allegheny say, okay, he's 10 years old. And in the first minute or two, I hear about Allegheny's uh, uh, three wives, his three previous marriages, and especially the first one who said, all right, mister, it's me or the guitar. And I've seen him playing guitar. But the next person who steps in is one of the six main people in Journeys North, myself, my wife, and then four much younger people. Tony was one of the rare 30-somethings. He's had a lot of 20-somethings out there before they've really started life, and then some like myself, my wife, who our kids are already raised. Uh, and here from the other side, a guy who I thought I knew fairly well, I hear him telling me about a Saturday. He's a scout. It was a Saturday. It's the very end of my marriage, 14-year marriage. And I'm in a kitchen by myself. And I look down. I see the oven door open. I can smell the gas. And I'm looking in my hand. And I have a big kitchen knife in my hand. I don't know how I got there. Hmm. 
And so here he proceeds to set them down, he tells me. But here out in the open, Tony felt safe enough to tell me this story. And I felt safe enough to be able to hear it. Is there a space when you're on the trail where um, you know that you don't, you know, you don't know these people and you don't necessarily have to see them again. They come from all over the world. So is there a sense of anonymity or because you are with the same people sort of leapfrogging back and forth for, you know, these months that you're on there, um, do you get past that and feel more like they're friends that you would share deeply with? I mean, what's, what's the reason to be able to share like this? So if, if a zero is feeling anonymity and 10 is feeling um, uh, feeling friendly, we're a 14 or 15 on the trail. If I saw you right now walking toward me, I would think Lori would give me the shirt off her back. Wouldn't know your name, wouldn't have met you before. And I would have the vision in my head that you'd be willing to do the same. We both got here. We're both out here and we've, uh, we're a distance from a trailhead. We're both carrying our worldly, our worldly goods in our back for the moment. We are both subject to whatever the sky is going to bring us, whether it's cold, wet, or snow. We both have been eating not particularly great food. We both are dirty and hungry. And the degree of affinity that brings for each other. I mean, I, um, it's one of the things I love about the trail. Uh, if we had met up for only 15 minutes, and this is, this is the truth on the trail, and you were to ask, if you were to call me up 10 years later and ask me for a huge favor, my default position would be, how can I do this for you? Mm. So is there ever a time of fear, meaning fear of, well, people and wild animals, especially, I, I think I'm always careful and I'm always told to be careful as a woman that you you go with someone else. You don't get into the backcountry by yourself unprotected. And as I've thought about doing these trails, that always comes up in my mind of, you know, are you safe? How many psycho murderers and rapists are out there on the trail with you? Yeah. With me? Zero. <laughs> um, so You've never I've, met one? <laughs> uh, no, I never have. Um, and I've met thousands of people in the, in the trail committee. And, and there are a few well-publicized incidents but I feel so much safer on a trail than I would say in downtown San Diego streets. Uh, that's where I live, San Diego. Mm. And fear is an interesting word. Um, it, it tends to be all our friends and relatives who are fearful for us. Mm. Aren't you afraid of the of ex, you know, insert an animal, a rattlesnake, bear, mountain lion? Um, aren't you afraid of other people? A very common question, and unfortunately, actually two of the most common questions beforehand. Um, is are you carrying a gun? And of the thousands of hikers I've met, I only know of one. Hmm. Yeah, um, woman who was uh, who was active um, active active duty highway patrol. And uh, the other question we tend to get, and unfortunately, especially uh, women, is what group are you going with? As if we can't do this ourselves. Because for all these trails, more than ninety percent of the people start by themselves alone. How many of them end up in groups? Everybody? So, uh, yes and no. Uh, depends what trail. The uh, Continental Divide Trail is still uh, very few people on it. But the PCT and the Appalachian Trail, uh, the, the word is so commonly, they have a word for it, tramily, trail and family. Mm. And, and it, it's a little like high school. Depending on, on how you're moving, if you took a zero day and stayed an extra day in town, your, your tramily, the people that you're palling around with, will change. 
and you don't hang with them all the time. But hey, you know, uh, today it's the people, or t- next three days, the people I happen to see when I'm taking a break, they walk by me and sit for a little bit. Uh, okay, so I'm hearing some things when I'm as I'm thinking, what's it like to be on the trail? I'm hearing number one, there's a real camaraderie with the other people that are on the trail that that naturally gets built into something that's just you know you'd never give up something really really valuable, and also that um, that it's hard, but tell me what it's, tell me what it's like from a physical sense of being on the trail. Um, how do your feet handle that? Do you work up to the 20 miles a day? Um, just what's it like to be on the trail to actually do that? So I have a paragraph in journeys North that it begins, um, understand pain and you understand the trail <laughs> because here's the truth. Um, you're almost always carrying some, uh, some level of pain, the hike 20 miles a day, uh, at some point, your feet are hurting. You may have blisters, uh, and hopefully they've calloused over. Uh, this part of your body is hurting. That part is. It's uh, uh, either warm or hot because usually in a given day outside, there's only two times a day briefly when the temperature is just right, when it's heating up somewhere and cooling down, right? It's not like where you and I are sitting right now in these nice air-conditioned air homes. But that said, we do it because uh, one there's this internal drive. You really want to be here. I want to be out here with these amazing people. And you have put yourself in a place where uniquely to almost any other uh, time, station, um, uh, uh, place in your life, you're in a possibility of miracle. That around the next bend, whether it's a person, an animal, or a jaw-dropping beautiful sight, and it's only you there, um, so the, the, uh, the pain becomes worth it. We had a woman who would hike the AT our year in 2007. Um, and she, uh, so she was experienced and other people would turn to her cause they're hurting, you know, and they'd ask her this question. <laughs> I could see she loved it. Um, her trail name was switch. They say, you know, switch, you've been out on a long trail before. When does the pain stop? And she paused a moment and she'd look at him. She would say, well, about three months. And she'd wait and she'd watch the wheels turn as they're beginning to accept that. And then she'd give, deliver the kicker, which would be three months after the trail is over. <laughs> Tell me the kind of animals you run into on the trail. Yeah, anything and everything. And they're fascinating. Well, one day we were sitting by a little stream and my wife noticed there are little things. It looks like little rocks are crawling around at the bottom of the stream. Uh, 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 10 could, could fit on a fingernail and she gets up close and you go, that's exactly what they are. And it's a, um, it's a special kind of a, a fly larva that it, it uh, caddis fly. She's in the other room, just a caddis fly uh, that for a particular stage, they secrete a glue and they glue a, a, a like a, a tank body around them. Uh, oh, wow. But we also run into rattlesnakes. Um, which I regard rattlesnake as an exciting opportunity and a, a photo opportunity. I'm not sure my wife does as much. Uh, we ran into, I think, five bears in the, in the PCT. Um, Do they ever challenge you? So th- these on um, the Pacific Crest Trail and on the Appalachian Trail, they are all, um, they are black bears. And unless you're coming upon a, a mother or cub, um, it's, it's basically, it's an opportunity to do the right thing, which is, um, uh, which is a, uh, Back away. Be large, show me you're human, 
and back away. Don't act like prey. And uh, people tend to, to show them that are human by banging on pans. I'm not sure why, or clicking to get their hiking sticks. Mm. My wife and I, with the largest bear we ever encountered, like say it's the size of a small Volkswagen. Oh, and what wow. we did to this guy was stand close together, look big, and then we sang to him in two in two part harmony, Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. <laughs> How did that go over? What uh, what a what a great response. <laughs> At the end of the uh, first verse, when we get to the chorus, he slowly turns this massive head and looks us in the eye long enough for us to know whose home we are in, and the answer is his, and then he slowly shambled away. Um, these are not, those are not the most fearful things, and it's not the way people get injured out there. To the extent they do, it is false, or uh, a, a pre-existing medical condition, gets exacerbated, you're caught out there and you have something already slightly wrong with you. Um, I know people tend to be afraid of mountain lions. I still, I still hope and want to see a mountain lion in, 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 in the wild. And you never have? No, I've hiked. I literally have hiked between 15,000 to 16,000 miles backpack. Wow. Um, and not yet. I still hope to. I still hope to. So why did you write Journeys North? Because I wanted to share these stories. I wanted to share what it was like with Tony in that shower stall and the rest of his story, uh, coming close to another hiker out there and then um, uh, 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 their paths coming apart, telling the story of Glazer, a young woman who uh, uh, for the first part of life, she's 24 when she comes out there and she's, she's been slapped around by life left and right. That some place deep inside her is this drive to always resurface and find a light. Um, I, want, I wanted to share these. I wanted to share with what I call a Joe and Josephine couch potato. Since folks are never going to get out there because that's who they are and that's just fine. But I want to share with them and have them feel what it's like to be sitting in a pit toilet outhouse. And yes, that's what I said, a pit toilet outhouse. It is so nasty outside. It's pit, It's blowing. It's cold. You are cooking dinner over a tiny little alcohol stove. You can barely see the flame. You're wearing every stitch of clothing you have. Your head is about two and a half feet away from the white throne and you're sitting there by yourself in the corner and you're happy. <laughs> what's, your, what's your favorite story in, in the book? Oh gosh, my favorite story in the book. It's the end. Um, we got hit by, um, by uh, once in a generation early snowstorms. So we had, my wife had written out an, an itinerary. She's a scientist. We were supposed to finish on her birthday, October 2nd. And that's, that should be really safe. Safe by October 15th before the snows in Washington shut you down. I've seen pictures of people finishing some years on October 31st. On September 29th, we're 60 miles from Canada and it starts to snow. And what I don't know at that point is uh, storms are backed up one, two, three, four, five after each other. Mm. And I'll just tell you barely the first part is we then climb out at 60 miles. We're climbing a high pass, 2,000 uh, feet up. And it's getting worse and worse. It's getting harder to see the trail. Uh, we're hiking in, in, in a jogging shoes. That's what you wear out there these days. Long distance trail. You don't wear heavy boots. It's uh, gone over a foot. It's climbing up our ankles. And facing us, coming at us, are uh, five hikers who I know well, and they're heading the wrong direction. That close to Canada, I can find. So they have turned around and they're heading back. Did they just get lost? Like they couldn't, they lost their way? No, they have made the decision. The conditions are too rough. We're going to lose the trail. 
Our next, our next uh, uh, between here and Canada, this point's 55 miles. There's really, there's only one way out and that's in 20 miles from there. And that's what they thought was the wisest thing to do. I have hiked in snow. I've taught snowshoe backpacking and I sit there and I talk for 10 minutes. And then we decide to turn around, to go back to the trailhead and hitch into a small town. I take one step, Lori, and I freeze. I stop. I've been heading north for five months. Every night I would look, find out the North Star and I think about it. And I just took a step south and I froze. And I started talking again. And then my wife said something to me, which she has only said once in our 43 years of marriage. She said, Scout, I'm exercising my veto. Oh, wow. And it, it was the right decision and we turned around it. But uh, that's the start of the of mm. the end of journeys north. <laughs> wow. Yeah. No, I love that because that really, you know, that's a real critical point. You're looking at safety, you're looking at comfort, you're looking at this this real crux and to have such characters with so much emotion involved and and such spunk. That that's a great point. Tell me what you hope to have happen with this book. Who are the people that are reading it and if somebody's wanting to hike the trail, seems like this is a really good place to start to get a good feel for what it is. So this is not a how-to book. It's, it's a book of moving stories. But and you learn from watching people live things. I, you know, watching as I read the book and I see the things you guys are going through, I'm picking up on lots of, you're, you're showing me what it's like to be out there on the trail. Yeah. Uh, so I get emails all the time saying that uh, 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 you, you've renewed my interest. Uh, I want to get out now too. But even more so, I get emails saying, I fell in love with all these people. Mm. I miss them now. <laughs> uh, tell me more. Um, yeah, I really, uh, I, want, I want you, whether you ever have a chance to get out yourself to experience it through these pages. I, I had a guy write, he said, I was going to go buy a car today. And so I knew I'd have some waiting time while the details went back and forth with, with negotiating. And I took his book. And he says, look at the time I'm writing this. It is now 1 a.m. I've read it straight through and I couldn't put it down. Yeah. <laughs> I want to hear a little bit about all of the hikers that you guys have helped and, and um, put up in your home. What's that like? Uh, it's amazing. You either want to hug us or lock us up. I mean, we live in a little, little cul-de-sac. And over eight weeks, we have literally 30 to 40 people a day, strangers wow. for this, uh, who stay at our house for one night to three nights. The where, do they, where do they stay? Do you have a huge house? Uh, we, we have a, a, a five-bedroom, uh, 2,800-square-foot house. We have a backyard. The majority of them stay. Uh, we have some um, catering-type tents set up to sleep in six mm-hmm. feet. And it used to be, it, it's, it's not easy to get out to Trailhead. It's 60 miles inland. And there's not really good public transportation. People fly in from everywhere. They fly in from Europe, fly in from uh, Australia, New Zealand, of course, all over the States and Canada. Uh, they're not allowed to fly with fuel, so they have to get fuel. Mm. Uh, they're coming in singly. Um, and they stay at our place for a 24 to 72 hours, and they already go out with a community. How do they know about you? How do they know this is a place to stay? Well, the first year we did it was 2006, and we had 17 people stay with us. Uh, the next year that we hiked 35, the year after that, 100. And then since then, every year, about one third of the people starting the trail 
actually stay with it. It's word of mouth. We're in a couple guidebooks. We're actually on the Pacific Crest Trail Association site. They say this is one one way. But we get we get emails saying, I've never I've never done this before. But my friend so and so says it's okay to write you and ask you if you'll pick me up at the airport and stay at your house overnight. Now, if this isn't okay, just say so. <laughs> do you do it every year? Uh, we have since 2007. Uh, and this is all free, all gratis. Uh, we have a, uh, uh, occasionally someone will try and hide a $20 bill somewhere. You guys are real angels. We uh, love that. We get to meet the neatest people. So Not we've bad. had over 6,000 people stay in our house over these uh, 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 15 seasons. We've wow. never, never had one thing taken. Mm. We don't lock our doors during that, during that eight weeks. Um, they are excited out of their mind and some are scared out of their gourd. And it's so wonderful to be able to be there, be with them, assist them, maybe provide a little bit of knowledge. Uh, we have probably saved a few lives. Oh, I, I love that you're doing that. I love people that are actively putting good into the world. It's so inspiring. But when people ask me, I feel uh, if, if there's one thing I wish there was more of in the world, Lori, it's kindness. Mm. And I feel like we're sending an insidious wave of kindness into the world. I love it. You go, Scout. <laughs> what advice do you have for people who might want to do the trail? Well, first of all, don't think of 2,650 miles. It's, mm-hmm. it's like a number, and you might as well just hit yourself over the head. <laughs> uh, instead, first of all, make sure you get out. And it starts with the, just getting out of your front door in your neighborhood and walking to the park. Chew off a bit more. Go with some people who, who know what they're doing. Uh, do an overnight. And when you do an overnight first time, uh, backpacking or camping, here's what I want you to do. You look in the eye of the person who's taking you, who you're going with, and you tell them, this is a quote, you tell them, Scout says, it's your duty to make sure I have a good time. Yeah. And, and then keep on doing it more because it'll usually, you'll just get more and more into it. And then at some point you might like to say, Hey, I'd like to do the John Muir trail, which is 211 mm. miles. I and would like then, to do that. And you should, it's glorious. Um, What's the best time of year to do the John Muir trail? Uh, late August, early September. So you're after, uh, after the crowds, after the mosquitoes, hopefully. And uh, if, if it's been a heavy snow year at all, the snow has melted and it's still drop dead gorgeous. How long does it take you to do it? The John Muir Maybe, Trail? Uh, anywhere from um, uh, two, two and a half weeks to uh, three and a half. I think, I think people usually, when I, meet, when I meet them out there, they're usually doing um, uh, 20 to, uh, to uh, 28 days. So they're doing uh, 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 eight to, to 12, 13 miles a day. Okay, so let's say I started in mid-August. I could finish up mid-September. Oh, yeah. Would I be running into any snows or anything? Uh, you'd be, you, yes, you'd be running into the snow from last winter. You'd have almost 90% with beautiful weather. Uh, if you had any rain, the, the norm is you might have a thunder shower or two in the afternoon. Uh, it would oh, be glorious. It would, <laughs> you'd have a great time. I'm going to have to call you and get more information for my personal <laughs> journeys. I'd be glad to. I'll show you some pictures. We, uh, we just did 50 miles uh, over Labor Day weekend. And even though we got smoked out by the fires at the end, it was beautiful. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. Beautiful. What kind of changes the fires had on the trails over on the, in California? Uh, both a lot and none. So when I hiked the PCT in uh, 2007, and I get through um, one point, I uh, hiked 250 miles through Big Bear. And then it hits me 
that, you know, about a third of the country I'm walking through, I'm walking through high desert and also um, 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 a dry, a dryish, but still pine forested mountains. A third of this land has obviously been burnt in the last 10 years. So this is uh, in the background, it's this natural cycle. It is. Now in the foreground today, we have this, this unnatural um, uh, increased, tremendously increased degree of fires. And so you're much more likely to run into closures these days. Uh, are there sections of the Pacific Crest Trail that are closed right now? Yes, there are. Yeah. And so what does a through hiker do when they come up on that? Just They detour. In the year, uh, we were actually the last year, 2007, that there were no fire detours. The year mm -hmm. after 2008, there was an 80-mile fire detour, and people would road walk around it. They would hitch around it. Uh, two, two guys wanted to continue, had in mind, I still have done the, the whole thing in my head. If I go under human power, so my wife actually actually drove a, a pair of bicycles up to uh, up to where this gap was, and these two guys rode rode bicycles around it because they wanted to do the whole thing human power. Sure, uh, there have always been. Um, uh, I like to call them temporary closures. Mm -hmm. um, it'll continue to be, but you find a way around it, and you find the way that's acceptable to you. Said, so, all right, I'll take an alternate route. I can walk, and maybe some will be roads, or or you'll take the attitude. This year, this is my trail. It's closed. I'll hitch around it and I'll start on the other side. So in closing, Scout, what would you like people to know? Hikers or an excerpt from your book that you specifically want to share? Any final thoughts? Final thoughts. One, get out there. And if I can, I'd like to read the 250-word introduction. Please. Yes. And uh, Lori's looking at it. This is the cover of the book. Yes. <laughs> All right. Here's an introduction. Starts on my wife's birthday. Her trail name's Frodo. I'm Scout and Frodo. Oh yeah, we have to know. We have to know about trail names too. Tell us a little about that. Okay. Everybody gets a trail name that somebody else gives them, right? Exactly. So if 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 you all of a sudden were dropped in Narnia, or if you dropped in a you know in, in Hogwarts, would you still want to be Sue or Tom? <laughs> no. It, 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 you know, there's this natural. I'd want to be. I've dropped an entire land, and so I. Um, I'd like to be a different person. And on a long trail, there's this tradition of trail names. Usually it's given to you by someone else, something you've done, something stupid you've done, uh, uh, maybe a, a physical trait. Uh, what if you hate your trail name, though? Can you veto it, or it just has to be whatever trail name you're given? Uh, yes, you can. You, you stop hiking around those people. You never <laughs> answer to it. You never sign to it. Frodo didn't like her trail name at the very beginning because she said, Frodo's a guy. <laughs> uh, but the name was perfect for her. Okay, um, go on with your introduction. Sorry. Yeah, right. No, no problem. So Frodo, my dear wife, then of 30 years, now 43 years. Frodo's birthday, Tuesday, October 2nd, 2007. Blazer couldn't feel her toes. In the pre-dawn gloom, the 25-year-old stomped a path over a foot of fresh snow, but the effort barely blunted the cold. This was the second blizzard in three days as the Gulf of Alaska hurled once in a generation storms at Washington's Cascade Range. After five months hiking the Pacific Crest Trail, Blazer was wearing her fifth pair of running shoes and the studded soles were ground flat, much like her muscles, sinews, and joints. She'd come over 2,600 miles, only 40 left to reach Canada. She'd sworn days before, I'll crawl if I have to. Right behind her, Frodo and I brushed 
fat snowflakes from our bent shoulders and packs. A dim light penetrated the pine and spruce thicket. Happy birthday, Frodo, Blazer piped up. We both jerked as if poked. In the 30 years we'd been married, I'd never forgotten Frodo's birthday. But this time, focused on the cold and not getting lost and unsurviving, we both had. What do you want for your birthday, Blazer asked. Frodo, her breath visible, didn't hesitate. I want to finish the day alive. Two more storms swept in over the next three days, smothering the Pacific Crest Trail in thigh-high drifts. On Thursday night, Seattle King 5 TV News reported three Pacific Crest Trail hikers missing. Chatted it up the internet within minutes. Goodness, it's so cold now. May the Lord protect them. Past midnight, one of 60 soon-to-be rescuers wrote, I'm headed out the Stevens Pass to work the search. But they weren't looking for us. They were looking for Nadine. Dun, dun, dun. Now you have to get the book to find out what happens. How do people find your book, Scout? Uh, uh, they'll find it uh, 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 at their local independent bookstore on the website. They'll find it on Amazon. Uh, if you want a signed copy for a no premium price, uh, just go to barneyscoutman.com. And uh, there's a button there. You can get one signed by the author. Go to Mountaineers Books, my publisher. So Amazon, independent bookstore, my website, or uh, Mountaineers Books. Perfect. And I will have links to where you can get the book in the show notes on the website, loveyourstorypodcast.com. And we will also use the cover of the book as the cover of this episode. So if you want to see what it looks like, pull that up online. Also, Scout, thanks for being with us today. Oh, Lori, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you for sharing with me. It has. You're the best. No matter your journey or storyline, one of the things that you will always find and that stood out to me in this interview is that the supporting characters in our story and in our journeys provide some of the most meaningful spaces of stretching and loving and learning, enjoyment and growth. And that's what the book Journeys North is about. It really captures not only the trail, but also the supporting characters and the experiences that they have. While Journeys North focuses on a cast of real characters making their way north together on the Pacific Crest Trail, the thing that stands out are the moments when someone provides a free bed or a warm meal or a hand or a listening ear. This week, See how often you can provide something positive to the people you cross paths with. Just like Scout said, kindness. We need more kindness. Have fun on your life journey. We all want to have fun on our life journey, and we can. Wherever that journey is taking you, have fun and be kind. Thank you for being here today. Closing reminder, get your copy of Life, Living Intentional and Fearless Every Day, and start the 21 Challenges that will bring possibility and connection in a time that we so badly need it and self-care into your life. It's available on Amazon. And if you have family or groups that you can do the challenges with, it's even more fun because we're all growing and supporting and learning together. Live your best life story on purpose and I'll see you in two weeks. Mm-hmm.